Hello, all, and welcome to the Fantasy and Sci-Fi Phonetics Podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Kubal. Today, I have me a very special guest, Matthew Corrado. Matthew, how are you doing today? Good. How are you? Thanks for having me, Daniel. Yeah, yeah, anytime. How badly did I butcher your last name? Did I do someone no, okay? Or? No, it was fine. <laughs> I appreciate <laughs> I have it. A, Thank one you. of my friends, Jeffrey, he was like, oh, you did such a bad job. And then he goes, no one's ever going to see this. We literally just got, yes, as of earlier today, I think that's our number one podcast was like almost 1200 people i'm like so embarrassed (laughs) Uh, i wouldn't wouldn't worry too much about it i mean that's another thing too (laughs) is like if people are too insulted by like i mean it's one thing if you've known someone for years like actually just as a joke actually as a joke i mean i think to this day people still give people crap about star wars where they had lando who constantly was actually i don't even think it was constantly flipping back and forth i think he just called him man he says there's oh, still yeah, a chance yeah, yeah. to save Han, and you know yeah. even the what was it the uh the uh cinema sins guy jeremy caught him on that he's like wait Han, did you just call han solo Han your best friend you know it's like you don't even know his <laughs> freaking name now i get that but i mean when you're yeah. you just meet someone and you don't know their name it's like how would you know that they're not i am maria conchita alonso you know and you're like i don't yeah, yeah. i wouldn't well, know. I just blew my mind i i never even realized that he did that he, he totally does that like several times within each movie that's that's really it, funny <laughs> it, might, it might have been second unit director stuff i'm i'm not, i'm being very yeah, serious yeah. too because there was a scene in the original star wars 2 where uh, i think one of the old gentlemen who is like now we will look at the death star plans and he's like here princess leah has been in and you're like everybody's like princess leah do you do you not know this girl or what the hell's going yeah, on yeah, yeah. why would you not know that like yeah i'm yeah, not yeah. sure what happened but i doubt that yeah. george lucas was like okay whatever it was probably like they should have said it right, but they didn't. And then nobody yeah, thought yeah. it. And then they said, we don't have time to film this again. And yeah, yeah. could you not do that again? Could you guys get the name correct next time? Well, of course they didn't know. They had no idea it was going to turn into this huge, crazy blockbuster thing. But they probably were like, ah, whatever. We He, he probably only had enough money, right? To, to shoot it the one time. Particularly it, it makes you, one, it, so. it, it, it must give us pause because, right? <laughs> that means it's important for an actor to know because that's something, some of my background is as an actor in the past. Um, is you should give the best performance you can because you never know. You don't know. Even Jackie Chan used to say it. People would say, hey, Jackie Chan, what's your advice to the young martial artist coming up? He said, whatever you do, make sure it's absolutely your best work because once it's on the film, it's forever. Now you can go back and you cannot go back and say, oh, poor Jackie. He didn't have enough money. He didn't have enough time. His back hurt a little. It says, no, people see the movie, good movie, bad movie. He's absolutely yeah. right. Good movie, bad yeah. movie. That's it. They're not going to say, oh, well, Thor was sick that day. <laughs> you know? yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yo, you got to no, get this totally stuff true. Done. Yeah. yeah but don't don't worry about names right now. It, it, later on, if you've known me through three years and you still get my name wrong, then I'll be like, <laughs> Daniel, we must talk. You know? That's fair. Oh, yeah. I feel like that's how it is for authors, too. I feel like people always ask me, like, how come you keep bumping your stuff back? I was like, I'm rapid releasing. I was like, I want it to be the best possible i said you really only get that you know i said i want everything under my name not you know a pen name and i'm like i i want everything to be you know i said Nev, nothing's ever going to be perfect but i said there no. are certain things that we i can wanna, talk about know, that too with writing if you like yeah 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 perfect uh so we'll actually go with that first one there matthew what has your writing journey been like up until this point um so the writing journey has actually been really fantastic it's been like a wonderful experience and let me try to explain but i'll try to be short because i know the viewers you know everybody time is the only resource for which no creature may bargain that's the 
tagline to my first book, but um, oh, that's awesome. Thanks. I've been writing for years. I mean, uh, 30 plus years, really. Oh, wow. But at the same time, I haven't published anything according to Hoyle until uh, uh, the summer solstice of 2021. And the solstices are extremely important uh, to the internals of my work, the, the storytelling. There's these mentions of solstices and equinoxes and all that. So I decided, hey, why don't I release the books on these solstices? Oh, it will cool. coincide in a kind of fun way that n no reader needs to know that there that's a thing, but they might later go back once they read and be like, you know, I read a lot about, he mentioned solstices in the book, and I want to say he releases these books on the solstices. <laughs> like, what the heck is this all about? That's kind of cool, even though it doesn't yeah. matter. But anyway, regarding the writing journey, I've been writing for 30 plus years. Um, my background is in theater and performance and film and in acting and directing. And I know that sounds like a lot, but people can go and look this up on my website if they want and kind of see some of the uh we'll call it the iceberg below the surface <laughs> yeah, yeah. um below the, the the like the ice water back here on the cover of diamond Dragon <laughs> um there's a lot below the surface and um so i did about 10 years of live star wars style performances of all things um i would suit up as darth vader and kylo ren and luke skywalker and all these things and i would do these you know crazy lightsaber performances i would build all the sabers for these performances bring aboard these casts and meet all these wonderful people, martial artists and actors and just different people. Um, nothing super big and professional, but it was my own work and my own performances. And we would go around mm. and perform them at a, a various venues. We were at, you know, San Diego Comic-Con. Oh, we cool. did something called Baycon where um, oh, I'm, yeah, actually, yeah. I'm actually proud to say at Baycon 2007, when I was doing performance, I got to sit on a panel with Alan Dean Foster and I was oh, like, that's awesome. Yeah, the funniest thing happened too when I was on my way to that panel because all this stuff was going on. It was a, a our debut performance of Balance of Power two. I won't go into all that, but anyway, I'm I'm walking in there and I've got my I'm on my costume and I have to do this in between. It was it was crazy, you know. I'm like, and I'm looking at this thing because I hadn't had a chance. And I'm like, okay, panel, panel. Where am I supposed to be? Room, blah blah blah. A and I'm like, oh yeah, who else is on this? I don't even. What am I doing on this thing? Why are they having me do this? Like I'm nobody. <laughs> literally that's what was going through my mind and then i'm like blah 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 this i don't remember the other people on it and i'm like da 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 alan dean foster and i'm like still walking and i'm like alan dean Fo that sounds very familiar i feel like <laughs> i'm about to explode because no this can't be right this is another alan dean foster i open it up and it's like writer of the last starfighter ghost writer of star and i'm like wow excuse me what am i doing on this i get in there and I'm like, oh, my God, you're Alan Dean Foster. And he's like, well, I'm not as famous, whoever you must be. And, you know, that kind of he was really cool <laughs> he was, because he's looking at my costume. Um, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. No, 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 I'm a nobody. Trust me. Mm -hmm. And but he was really down to earth, a lot of fun to talk to. And I learned so much because um, he was open uh, uh, to just listen to me. You know, I said, do you mind if I ask you some questions about like, working with George Lucas or whatever. And, you know, he's like, well, yes, but I'll have to kill you, you know? And I'm like, oh, I don't mind. I don't mind. But so we had a lot of the answer my question first, right? Like yeah, but he was just really cool. He was just really cool. And there was nobody else awesome. there. We were the only one. <laughs> 
there was we came super early so later oh, everybody cool. filled in like two minutes before and i was like what's with all these yahoos coming in like two minutes before he's like right matthew he's like i don't know about you but if i did that with one of my books it would be curtains matthew and I'm like, <laughs> so so he was a great that guy so awful. i mean not that alan would ever see this but i hope he does and uh, it, it was 2007 at baycon in san jose california it was just just phenomenal to to uh, talk to him you know Oh, so, so cool. yeah, my writing experience up till now has, has actually been involved, but just nothing to this, uh, uh, nothing to this extent, this whole, you know, I got to go on this side of the camera here, <laughs> Diamond Dragons thing, uh, nothing to this extent. Mm. Well, I really hope that if someone out there sees this and knows Alan Dean Foster, please give it to him because holy moly, do I love his work. So <laughs> it's fantastic. Yeah, I was, I remember I, I took a picture of when I, uh, I, I can't remember exactly what store we were in, but I saw a copy of Star Wars 7 with the, you know, the beautiful cover art and everything. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, Alan Dean Foster. And I took a picture of him like, ah, check it out, guys. Like, oh, it, that is cool. this is what I'm talking about, you know? So oh, I remember cool. that, you know. That's awesome. I have like several of those sitting on my shelf and then the bookshelf at my school. I always, I was buying for the kids. They, you know, they eat it up, so. and isn't that another lesson, Daniel, too? There's just the cover art. I mean, not only that, yep. the poster art. Like I, I, yeah, try yeah, yeah. To, I often when I'm talking to different folks out there on, on online groups, I'll be like, because people will say, what do you guys think of this cover or something? And, you know, sometimes it's not so great. And so you'll be like, try to think of it like you're walking in a theater mm, and you mm -hmm. see this movie poster and you're like what the bloody hell is it's awesome like what is this yeah. and then the title hits like whether you know what i'm trying to say is like i yeah, look at it yeah. like this if you didn't have the title if the, there was no title on your book would it still be interesting to look at yeah and if the answer is no then i'm like hmm must give us problems must yeah. give us pause and like also if they're like oh i look at your cover and I see murder mystery. And if your book is like the furthest thing from that, um, this, this, this might be a problem, <laughs> you know, like this, this, this could be a problem. So you know? funny that you just mentioned that I won't mention the book, but I just saw this yesterday and I, I was like, is that, is that person a fantasy author? And they were, and I was like, it, and, and I read it and it's like supposed to be a medieval fantasy. It looks like a, a cozy, 1990s mystery book with a cabin on the front i was like this is unfortunate and yeah, i mean this is not this is not something where we should be trying it's not like we're trying to be like haha you're dumb we're smart no and, yeah i just wanted to i didn't want to be a, that guy but i wanted to like you know i talked to a lot of authors i that's all i do all day and i i mean i used to teach design and i oh, well, really want to be an illustrator so you know people ask me sometimes privately like hey what do you think you know and i'm like I don't know. My, my mom's an interior designer. She's an amazing designer. She went to Kendall University in Michigan, which is a premier school now, years later. Um, I like to pretend and tell people that it's because my mom went there, but she, she'll kill me if I say that. But, uh, but she's amazing, has amazing skills and has taught me over the years. And, you know, and I'm like, I don't really like that. I'm like, or I do like that. <laughs> well, that and the good. ones I always like end up being the ones, you know, that do really well. Um, I think that's important know, and, too, Daniel, right? Is yeah. that it's like, um, I'm not, I'm not sure I even tried to, how to say this too, but like, after 30 years of work in acting and directing and performance and putting productions together and then having f images of me in costume with you know lightsabers and you know looking all the kind of like you know jedi knight and you must this and 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 
balancing that out and, and then putting some photos together in montages, you, you, you begin over this period of time and then you see more posters of movies and you're looking in this and this, it's just part of the goal for you to be like, we need to say something with this and it can't just be throw a bunch of images and, and hope it sticks it's like yeah, really yeah. i mean you can do that but it's like then maybe five years from now your book it's like did you, do you remember what you did with your cover and they'll be like yeah i really didn't put any effort into it i'm like you're gonna remember that man like you're gonna remember that you just grabbed anything and, and stuck it on there yeah. you know? i mean like hey yeah. i'm just trying to say this didn't happen with diamond dragons i mean like i put a lot of effort into what you see on the screen here or whatever on the book cover and whatnot um just the tagline on this book is wisdom is earned through listening but not solely in what we hear so like there's reasons for everything on there the reason the tower whoops i'm pointing the wrong way the where's my finger <laughs> on the camera there we go the tower there you know it, it briefly tells you something you're like hmm looks like a dark evil tower hmm yeah, yeah, yeah i wonder yeah. if that's something to do with the villains you're like do, yeah. you, do you think you know it's like, yeah, yeah. It's we gotta advertise the genre i just i i just i you know i just got done talking to um i have my tech guy who's my best friend i have my other buddy who's a really good friend and one of my best friends and um you know, he reads a lot of books and we you know share a lot of books and things and we're always talking about covers this and that and you know i sent him a couple the other day so the, the two of them you know we look at a lot you know and i'm like yeah. what do you think about you know this style or this perspective or this person you know, and I, I save a lot of them, you know, because I'm like, I really like, I, I feel like I got an eye for it. So I'm like, well, I really like this person, I like this perspective, or we like this different design and things. But yeah, I saw a couple yesterday where I was like, I, I, I would just like to, at some point, maybe when I sell more books, <laughs> be able to be like, hey, very nice. I, it's, I feel like it's hard sometimes to do nicely, but I want to just be like, I'm trying to, I want to help you, you know, like, I don't want you to you know, right. I think take some more time, you know, like we had a couple of things come up, you know, at our house. So people were asking me about, you know, my cover and stuff for one of my books. And I'm like, it's going to be delayed because of financial reasons, you know, start being an indie. I'm glad you brought that and, up because you know, right, you know. Daniel, there are other things that factor into it. Like it's one thing when yeah. people see a professional film um, and yeah, then they yeah. judge it on that budget, which is millions of dollars and probably at least a hundred thousand people maybe maybe yeah, less yeah. i mean i might actually I'm, that might be an exaggeration maybe it's only ten thousand. but you know a lot of people get involved in those and then you have people who are self-published i'm by the way self-published i'm not sure if a lot of people are aware of that in fact and i think because my production company or whatever whoops it's down there in that little z in that corner but the zewalos <laughs> or zewalos um they might think that i am under some like someone else is handling my work i'm like i have to handle everything you know, yeah. but at the same time, I'm like, you can make things look professional if you know, like, just even the found, like, the way I look at it is this, right, Daniel, is if you're writing the book and you don't know anything about dramatic structure, you know, character archetypes, uh, literary techniques, and what I mean by that is like full circle and irony and foreshadowing and forwards and red herrings, that kind of stuff. But the point is, if you don't know about those things, it's pretty difficult to write a book. Well, if yeah. you're going to work on your cover, I don't think people should just grab anything and throw it on there. At yeah, the yeah, yeah. very least, they should say, design elements 101, 
you know, yeah, color yeah. choices and color palette and blah, 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 things that matter. And then also um, just think of it like, well, what does a consummate cover of a book that I love already do? Yeah. Can I please go look at eight of those or I don't know, three to six of them at the least. I mean, but right, yeah. not zero. Don't sit there and say, I'm not going to do anything and look at any other covers at all and, 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 and you know, and just throw something out there, you know, I think it's important. Everything that yeah, I put no. on my covers has meaning. Yeah. There's meaning behind the the shape of the logo and why it's a sun and moon. There's a reason for, especially on this particular cover, that the top half of the design is hots and reds, and the bottom mm. is well, you know, it's kind of obvious <laughs> that it's mm. colds, blues, and darks. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. What could that be? I just don't know. You know, it's like, gee, could it be d design elements actually being purposefully placed yeah, into yeah, yeah. that are not just, well, I found a pretty darn cool looking star field, you know, and you're like, uh oh, <laughs> not the, I found a great star background, or, yeah, uh oh, yeah. guess what? I found a great forestry background image from my fantasy book. I'm like, oh, no, not a forest. Great. You know, it's yeah, like, yeah. come on. You know, at a well, certain there's like point. Adobe images too, where you can pay the ten dollars a month and you can put together three different things and it still looks really professional. I mean, yeah. you just paid you paid ten dollars for the cover. You know, you could get somebody in there to you know if you really needed to, um, you know, to put in the the lettering if you didn't want to yourself. There's a hundred, you know, so you're talking maybe 160 bucks and you'll still get something that looks, you know. I just I, I just had mentioned to a friend I said. So I just saw a couple of the last couple of days where I was just like, oh my gosh, like I wanted to, I just wanted to politely message the two people and just be like, hey, you know, like I teach design, you know, is there, is there any way we can just talk, you know, like I just want you to sell more books. You I, know? Think I, I think that's, I think that's a helpful thing. Like, I mean, at the very it. least, it couldn't hurt to do that. And at the same time, especially if you open with, look, I'm just trying to, I'm not coming at you as a random YouTube or not YouTuber, but um, uh, Facebook or whatever social media program yeah. it is. But you could say like, hey, look, this is my experience. Um, yeah, so I'm, yeah, I'm yeah. not coming at you like, hey, I work at a yogurt shop and I like books, but I think your book cover is weird because they can that they might actually have good advice. But if you're not coming from some kind of background where you have yeah. something, it, it, it can it can be a little bit tough. But even that, yeah. Daniel, we already know some people they'll take it one way or the other uh, they, they yeah that's what any... i'm always worried about yeah yeah but they might take artist is amazing galeb gosens and i mean he's done some absolutely amazing art for me on my website and i mean he he is so ridiculously cheap that i know he's gonna bump up he's gonna be one of these guys he's just gotten so good over the last couple of years i keep trying to tell him like caleb you gotta let me give you some extra money dude he's like no it's this price. It's flat, and I'm like, you're you're worth more than that, buddy. And hey, I, I resonate. When I make it, I'm, I'm taking you with me to the top, man. You're gonna be my private artist, <laughs> you know. And you well, know, and we're gonna hire you for the company, and we'll start our own company just so nobody can hire you. Oh, <laughs> it would so be so can, nice. You know. Like I, I, that's the dream, right? But I, I will yeah, say this right? is, although I, I, we don't know anything about those things ever happening to any anybody. It's just all luck. But I will say yeah. I resonate with the appreciating the artists who come aboard your project. Quick shout out to my composer of all things oh. uh, his name is Eamon Seplo and uh mm -hmm. I want to say he's I want to say he's in New Jersey uh New York or New Jersey one or the oh, other cool. I don't want to give away too much things because he's you know private guy I don't want to yeah, yeah really great great kid fantastic work um 
his work is so ahead of his age. I think it's fantastic. And beyond that, the reason I decided to bring him aboard was Diamond Dragons was originally a screenplay on my own, mm. of course, just to make it clear to audiences that I'm not basing it on anything else. Um, <laughs> but uh, and I wanted to have some music to get that that mood. And in addition to oh, that, sure. when I was doing the screenplay version, I brought aboard uh, uh, well, I hired really um, some VO artists, vocal uh, voiceover oh, cool. artists, vocal actors, whatnot. And I auditioned them through my own processes and whatnot. And I, you know, listened to each different vo vocal tone. I went, ooh, this guy would make this one and so on. And so I recorded some, um, uh, what do you call it? Uh, table reads, if you will. Of oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I just wanted all of those materials. And so I also brought aboard concept artists. And so like, I love working with different artists. And by the way, you know, if there's an artist out there and they are like, hey, I read Diamond Dragons, you know, one or two, or I saw the video, Matthew or whatever, I would like to, you know, maybe work with you. Email me, you never know. I'm not saying I'm close to the option or whatever. And who knows, maybe it's not a good fit, but um, I love working with artists. It's been fantastic doing that. There are I want to say 50 to 60, I'm pretty sure it's 60, I'm forgetting, um, illustrations in Diamond Dragons 1. And they're wow. done by four different artists, myself, uh, Claudia Bezak, uh, Tadeo Phillips, and Ted Buffington. Is that four? I'm pretty sure it's four. Yeah. <laughs> I, I can't count anymore. <laughs> um, but, um, and I, I did quite a, quite a bit of them because, you know, there was no way that I was going to be able to get all oh, of that artwork sure. from these guys yeah, yeah. and do it fairly you know i just said i'm gonna pay you guys as much as i can until i run out of money <laughs> which was quick yeah. um yeah, yeah. Uh, and then you know with diamond dragons 2 it's a little bit less it's myself and another artist her name's josephine and with any luck you know we'll see if there'll be more uh, artwork involved in all the future books or whatever yeah. but um it's been a blast by right meeting great artists and working with them learning from them and at the same time trying to be like yo like i want to tell you how i work and they're like oh yeah how's that matthew i'm like i pay you i'm gonna pay you period like, <laughs> i'm not gonna not let you pay me for the most part and anyways this is me getting back to Eamon. Eamon would not let him me pay him for the longest time and i was like you know like but i kind of i appreciated it simultaneously but it's true that there's no mm -hmm. way i could pay him for the music work he's done if anybody ever gets a chance to hear some of this wonderful uh, music that he's created, which is it's located on my video channel. So if people want to go to the website, which is, uh, of course, diamond dragons.com. Oh, we'll, can... we'll have it in the description too for you for anywhere where this YouTube or audio is found. So oh, that's we'll, we'll great. Make sure that we pop that in there for you. Yeah, I appreciate it. But um, if people want to hear it, when they click on like some of the videos, there's like video pre visualizations that I've created oh. um, of diamond dragons one, it, it kind of tells the first uh, nine chapters or so of the book. And for the screenplay version, it's, you know, in similar form. In other words, it's like the mm. first 20 minutes of the, of the film, if you will, or the book in, in some regard, but, um, his music is in there. And so they can hear, oh, well, where did this come from? And I'm like, it's not, it's not randomly that I just pulled it out of the, you know, the ether and dragged it in. It's like, I, we, we worked on it together to kind of compose some stuff. I actually crafted the diamond dragon's main theme, which is a 12 note a progression uh, myself oh, awesome. and then i asked him i'm like can you base a lot of this stuff off it's going to be like this will be groovy if we we do something with this music and believe yeah. me amen i have some ideas because one of my favorite lines from one of my characters in the books and he does this a lot he doesn't just do it in diamond dragons one is a line he says music is magic and it certainly becomes that 
in Diamond Dragons mm -hmm. 1 and throughout the whole series of it, really. But um, it becomes very important. So ironically, although Diamond Dragons, this hexology, this whole series of six books is are just books, it, music is a huge part of them. So that's kind of difficult now, isn't it? <laughs> right? You're like people reading, they're like, I hear music, you know, you're like, right? I'm like, so one day I hope if possible, I'll try to be able to be like, when it's all the right moment and I have the right things with it, I'll be able to tell people, when you read Diamond Dragons, here are some tracks from oh, Amy awesome. and or myself or possibly other, you know, musician teams or whatever. Um, and I might be like, when you read this chapter, re put this on. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a playlist. Yeah, like I, my friend found yeah. that recently for a book we were reading and he's like, hey, you got to try this. So I oh, that's good. Remember what it was, what I was reading. And yeah, and it was, I can't remember. I'm going to have to ask him now. I, I read so many books the last couple of years. But anyway, so there's a soundtrack to this book series. And so right when that happens, you're kind of like, what yeah, like, it it's not cool. a common thing right it's not like yeah, yeah. oh well that's just like it's that's the way it's always been ever since tom yeah. so you know, you're like no <laughs> yeah it was super i mean it was super cool i was like i'm thinking like i mean i you know I, I like i like meditative music when i read and when i write so but i used to listen to you know other like words music and not whatever now i'm gonna have trouble focusing but with it but I'll, yeah, I will like, tell was, you this because it's important. I was into it, man. Another like, shout out to Eamon. Like... I've told Eamon that when I'm writing Diamond Dragons, and this, by the way, is when I'm doing even notes or editing or even illustrations, which I have to do all of these things. I have to do all of them. Um, but especially when I'm hitting the manuscript pretty hard, you know, I put on my playlist and I've got, oh, um, cool. I mean, Eamon's music is not the only thing, but I always put in pieces where there are ones that I've already almost attributed the, the feel to oh, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. what certain moments are. So I'll try to get myself in that m moment and mode and mood, if you will. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and a lot of times it's not because the piece itself is like, oh, I have to have this. I know some people where their brains will get stuck on it. It has to be a certain, I'm like, that's not how I roll. It's more like this piece of music, the type of mood that it's obviously trying to exude, whether that's horrible sadness or elation and triumph you know it's like these pieces of music sometimes can fit like you probably know what i mean mm. is like sometimes you might you know see a, a film scene and then maybe someone's like here's me cutting it to a different piece of music you know yeah, yeah and you're yeah. like wow it's still awesome and in fact i think it's even more awesome and you're like right yeah. it's just one of those things so i try to do that and i've been extremely grateful to having amen aboard the project because his music is just really awesome and it's definitely in tune with the way that i feel about like the characters and stuff like yeah, you know yeah. right now and again i don't want to ruin things for certain people a lot of characters have their own themes but there's just, we're not ready. We don't have that ability yet to just like launch the music out there. It just is not the right moment. We, it's, yeah. it would take, you know, thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars and even more time, you know? So anyway, yeah. I'm kind of rambling about that, but I wanted to make a big shout out to Eamon because uh, oh, cool. it's, yeah, it's such a pleasure. And again, some people might say, what does that have to do with storytelling? I'm like, it has everything to do with it, especially with my work where, and again, people will only find this out by reading them is music is a giant part of Diamond Dragons, which may sound a little like, what? This is a fantasy story and it's dragons and music. What the hell? And I'll be like, 
just well, you just wait, just wait, read it, find out, yeah. you know, find out how far the portal of fire leads. And that's, by the way, being both literal and figurative. You know? <laughs> I'm not kidding, you know. That's awesome. Yeah. It's a good, uh, good advertisement right there. Um, so maybe <laughs> not so until we... when the people go like, how much does it cost? I was like, well, I mean, <laughs> I can't sell it for $3, you know? Yeah. That's, that's, oh my God, that's totally true. Um, so you mentioned, you know, the genre for diamond dragons is fantasy. Now, would you say that, uh, contemporary fantasy, what type of fantasy? I know some apparently people care i don't i always i'm like oh fantasy sci-fi but well, apparently no that's, that's a good point so. <laughs> For clarification and more like association i should say is that people can think of it like lord of the rings but with dragons at the helm and oh, people awesome. are like wait a minute what the hell like if why don't why don't i just watch lord of the rings i'm like well it's not exactly the same story at all there are some elements that are actually are there is a MacGuffin in in the in the story, although oh, cool. it's not quite in the way people will probably expect it. And if people don't know what a MacGuffin is, this is just in case the watchers do not. The, the McG is usually the artifact and or thing that everybody wants. A good example would be in Star Wars, uh, uh, R2-D2 kind of was the thing, but it was really the Death Star plans, right? We, they, yeah. they wanted it, so they had to get the droid, and we want the droid. In Star Wars 7, it was, you know, R2-D2. They needed to get the Death Star. Why do I feel like there's an echo in here? Um, you know, and uh, in Lord of the Rings, it was, you know, well, the ring, or Frodo, or wait, both, or wait a second, you know, again, it's he was R2-D2, basically oh it's true yeah, yeah. well i mean yeah. of course it's true i'm not saying it because i'm just making it up you know it's like blew right? my mind <laughs> uh, right uh and the, the matrix the matrix might be a little bit different but in a way it still was neo it still yeah, was neo, yeah, yeah. you know he was kind of the key i guess you know yeah but anyway the point is uh if I had to clarify it, yeah, I would say that. There's another thing I could say about it is if anybody's familiar with Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon by Ang Lee. Yeah, it's a fantastic movie. Ang Lee, fantastic, by the way, performances from oh, uh, Chow Yun-Fat, from yeah. uh, uh, Michelle Yao. And then oh. I want to say her name is Zong Ziyi, but I don't know if I said it correctly and I don't want to butcher it. But um, oh, what a great, amazing. the whole cast actually was fantastic. And yeah, yeah. anyway, the heightened drama of that kind of feel where it's like martial arts superheroes mm. i mean the 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 dragons in diamond dragons are certainly not just uh you know typical dragons they're kind of martial arts superheroes and i'm not oh, kidding cool. like they do some martial arts to some extent like they're whipping their tails and like put it this way right when they're out of not out of range but they're doing ranged attacks you know breathing awful fire and ice and whatever they're doing all sorts of things and not all of them do that, but the point is when they get in close, what do you think? They're going to fire a shotgun. You know, you're going to blow your own yeah. face off. You know, you go, yo, it's time to. So they're going claws, wing slaps, tail bashes. They'll do like a flash kick. If any, if people don't know what a flash kick is, it's a backflip with a kick. And I know that some people say, I know that from Street Fighter. That doesn't, that move doesn't exist. I'm all, it does exist. I used to do flash kicks. They're real moves. <laughs> um, I'm not kidding. Uh, Bruce Lee did one in Enter the Dragon. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, he did. With yeah. the assistance of uh, Bob Wall flipping him over. But um, the yep. point being is, um, imagine a flash kick from a dragon. If I was standing, cool. I was a dragon, right? And I went, bam, under your jaw a nice mace-like tail, yeah. right? That would just smash you to pieces. But the point is, so these dragons in the stories, 
you know, there is some serious fighting going on. It's not all fighting. They're also intelligent and they, uh, you know, they have their own language and all this kind of stuff. So like people have to find out by reading or looking up the videos to get, get the feel of things. But um, yeah, they're, they're, it's basically like Lord of the Rings with dragons with that kind of added spirituality and martial arts. Like they even, um, I do this in my own videos. I put my fists with sort of like a claw like thing or, or over under blah, I can't even talk. Here's how English works. <laughs> my claw is over my fist and then they'll be like, you know, yes, sir. But they don't say yes, sir. They have their own language. So they'll they'll say their own words. They'll be like, Chiong, Chifoy, Yelaha, Hoof. And then they, you know, fly off. And people be like, what the hell's all that mean? I'm like, well, I explain <laughs> it. You know, one means thank you, or, you know, like, um, you know, I I understand in a way. It's it's like, you know, again, expressing gratitude. Then mm -hmm. one is like honor, you know, like, you know, and then one means spiritual tidings almost like a may the force be with you but not <laughs> you know yeah, yeah so again you can think of it like you know martial artists they'll be like ah oh, it's good to see you again you know it's like that but dragons are there and all that stuff and of course there's like you know a wizard in it you know a knight you know one of them even wears armor and carries a sword and all the other dragons are like why are you doing this yourself? Why are you doing this yourself? You know, <laughs> you don't, you don't need it, man. You know, and he's like, shut up, you know, that kind of thing. And then That's of course awesome. there's reasons for why he's carrying a sword and he's wearing armor and how he feels about the, uh, those things. And I, again, I don't want to ruin storyline and little nuances, you know, I, I'll, I'll give too much away, but yeah. the, the cast of characters is quite intriguing they're unforgettable once you meet them i mean just the one i'm telling you right now about imagine a dragon with a sword and armor and you're like yeah what is, what is this all about? <laughs> like what is this yeah. and then you know you got the curmudgeon he's an ice dragon you're like gee i wonder why right? <laughs> but you know he's kind of the grumbly like uh you remember quint from jaws sometimes, oh yeah, yeah sometimes a shark go away sometimes he wouldn't go away sometimes a shark would just look at you and the thing about it shark's eyes is it's got black eyes like a doll's eyes when it looks at you doesn't even seem to be living until it bites you you know and you're like okay knock it off where's the flashlight under the chin moment but there's <laughs> that guy does kind of remind me of like a human in like a dragon in human form I've never he's that's before, that's yeah. the way <laughs> Yeah, Llewellyn or that's Llewellyn. Cool. I'm not. I'm pretty sure it's. We'll call him Llewellyn. That's a good sell right there. I like that's a good sell. I like. Well, that. thanks, but I mean, the point is, I'm not even trying to sell my book. The point is, I like making interesting characters because then when you put them next to other ones, you're like, oh god, please, oh no. Like for example, on the opposite end of the scale, there's a princess-like dragon, and she's a narcissist. She is pretentious. She's presumptuous. She is uppity. She's all the things you hate about a human being and in a dragon. You're like, oh, great. Fantastic. However, if people are like, why the hell would you do that? And I'm like, you ever heard of a movie called Gone with the Wind, son? And they're like, what's that? And I'm like, so there's this character named Scarlett O'Hara. And it's I, it's not very a popular work. So you can just tell me to shut up anytime if you want. There's this gal. Her name was Melanie Mitchell. Yeah, I'm pretty sure who wrote it. She tried to write Gone with the Wind too. I don't think it worked out. But the point yeah. is, Scarlet was, I, I based this character that I made in mine off of her arc, 
which of course people go, well, what the hell is the arc of Gone with the Wind? What does that have to do with Diamond Dragons? I'm like, well, here's the drill. It's not the main story, but Scarlet sucks in the beginning. She's an awful character on purpose, by design. She's pretentious, presumptuous, narcissistic, and bossy and an awful person. By the end of the film, what do you want to bet things change? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah. So um, there's a character in there who Llewellyn is like, no way like no right can you imagine yeah. quint having to deal with like uh remember uh kate capshaw's um, character in indiana jones oh, and Temple yeah, Doom? Yeah, yeah, yeah imagine yeah. quint having to deal with willie scott the famous singer <laughs> quoth dan Aykroyd. aren't you willie I scott would... the famous american singer and you're like who says that to people <laughs> yeah yeah i would definitely pay to see that <laughs> mm-hmm. Dan Aykroyd and Kate Capshaw should get together and do a scene. Hey, if you yeah, guys yeah. are watching, not that Dan <laughs> or Kate would, but that would be pretty funny. And they'd be like, why are we doing this again? Because mm, some idiots on YouTube said it. <laughs> yeah. I, I feel like I really need to see that scene now. Um, <laughs> so I've, I've distracted us all. Now everybody's yeah. going to be clicking away, doing search engines. You're like, Dan okay. Aykroyd, Kate maybe, Capshaw scene with Willie Scott, and maybe I don't Jackie even know what his Chan character was called. Something for you, you know, Jackie. I don't, well, do I don't even know what Dan Aykroyd's character was called in the film, right? Because he was just a short cameo to be like, uh, "Oh, yeah, come yeah, on yeah. onto this plane of what was it? What was it? The character Lao Che? He's yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Aha, nice try, Lao Che. Clunk, Lao Che Enterprises, and you're like, how did he get a plane out there that quickly? That's crazy. Oh yeah, that's true. Yeah. Well, my no mind sense. today. Yeah, yeah, that's crazy. Uh, so what is your book Diamond Dragons about without giving too much away? Like, how would you describe? Oh, you um, mean like the engaging synopsis on the back of the book? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I know some people, they're like, oh, should I do book one, do book two, do an overarching theme of six books, whatever you want to do. No, Get no. The, the best way would explain the book one, because uh, the the overarching oh, story is, is something that I don't want to reveal and it shouldn't be revealed. People don't need to know what Diamond Dragon 6 and 5 and 4 and 3 and really 2 are about. 2 is behind me on here, but 1 is essentially like this. You can think of it like there's the good guy dragons and the bad guy dragons. The good guys are kind of like dragons you'd expect, green dragons and red ones and gold ones and so on. And there's more explanation than just that. But anyways, right, they're good. But the evil dragons, at least in this story are the bone and ghost dragons. So you can oh, think cool. of them as not necessarily like vampires, but they're just, you know, dead. And we've all seen this before. It's not like, well, this doesn't, you know, this doesn't sound original. I'm like, well, it's not yet. You know, I'm just telling you about the good guys and the bad guys, but it makes sense. The life kind of dragons, the ones, their castle is, you know, in greenery in a forest. And of course the dead, the, these, the ghost dragons, in this case, they're in a desert where it's dry and barren and, you know, dead, you know? Anyway, um, there's this legendary creature, a phoenix of sorts, uh, the, you know, legendary firebird. And it has its own name, of course. Their dragons have their own name for whatever the hell this legendary creature is. And the way they explain it is that it's not just physical, it's like mystical and there's weirdness about it, <laughs> right? Like they're even like, um, look, this ain't no freaking joke, man. Like this isn't like, oh, look, we go, gotta go find a freaking hummingbird. You know, they're like, yeah, this is some serious man. Like we gotta go to this volcano. And of course people will be like, wait a minute, this sounds like Lord of the Rings. And well, there are some elements that are similar, but this is not about throwing a ring in the volcano at same, all. 
same genre weird right like, i know strange like... <laughs> right what's it's yeah. so strange to have a volcano in a fantasy uh, story. <laughs> I, I have no idea why we would do that <laughs> but anyway so that is the basic premise is that it's like good guy dragons bad guy dragons and then they're like there's this firebird of legend and you know the good guys are kind of like so i've been getting messages that this guy wants to do something and they're like oh that ain't gonna happen we are go we're getting there first and they're like well how are we gonna do that when they'll know we're coming because if we just you know freaking fly over there they'll be like gee oh there's those guys again you know <laughs> so they decide to do something you know uh intelligent so we'll just put it at that because i don't want to start giving away like the how yeah, yeah, yeah. And why but yeah, yeah, the, yeah the goal is they basically need to go to this volcano where they it's supposed that this firebird of legend this phoenix if you will resides or whatnot they're not entirely certain so they'll find out more as will the reader but um this is not like yeah we gotta go you know break our friend out of jail i'm like that could be a story but this is not that one you know yeah hmm. that's interesting I'm just picturing the <laughs> picturing awesomely What's personality that? dragon that going on this great adventure like this well great, oh like, you want you want me to not give really a road trip because they're probably flying right but i'll give but, you another yeah. one because i haven't even i haven't even gotten to the main characters so i won't even bother with that right now because he's interesting but well they all three of them are interesting but um you know it's it's sort of you know the cast of characters even in lord of the rings some people could argue that gimli and legolas and aragorn or even mary and pippin were not more loved than Frodo, but they were super interesting. They did a lot of yeah, cool, yeah, fun yeah. stuff. You know, it was really amazing. Even Arwen, you know, like what's more yeah. powerful when she's like, you won't be crossing this river, son, you know, kind of thing. And you're like, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. look at her dropping some stuff. And then she's they're like, like we're going to do it. Like, and she's like, <laughs> I'm glad you did. You know, and then yeah, it's yeah. Like magic time, man. Roll up my magical water. Like whatever she did in the books, too, was so wacky. And you're like, what is happening? But you're like, yeah. cool. The magic of the forest comes alive. The magic of nature yeah. comes to take them down. It's still interesting. So my point is this. In my story, I do have a bard. And he is literally, his name is Bardish or Bardish. Oh, like it's cool. a medieval weapon. Um, but he has this amazing instrument. And of course it's, you, it's similar in our minds. We might think of it like, is it a guitar? Is it also a piano? Is it, is this thing? I'm like, right, he's got a musical instrument of sorts, right? It's pretty awesome. It would be a dragon type of thing. He'd be able to play, they have six claws on each uh, hand, if you will. Right. So they got, you know, and they got a tail, you know, it's like, yo, he could do some cool stuff that we couldn't yeah, do. Could drag, Trust you know? me. Like, come on, he's a dragon. Um, and of course, he's the storyteller. He's really like, you know, poetry. He speaks not always in rhyme. I think that would have been way too much, but sometimes he does, you know, and sometimes he's alliterative, um, especially when he's making like a big announcement where he's like, let's hear it for. And then he'll say something alliterative, you know, and um it just sets him apart. You don't even, it's difficult to not tell that it's him speaking <laughs> when oh, he says yeah, something yeah. because of that, you know? So a lot of the characters are, are like that. And then the wizard character, his name is Artemis. Um, he's quite a bit like, you know, Gandalf or Obi-Wan Kenobi or Morpheus. Do you want to know what it is? <laughs> you know, and you're like, oh, you know, you always have to have that the voice of wisdom, you know, his tempo mm. would be slower when he speaks, you know, um, you know, and hell, even the villain's awesome. Like 
I, I rarely have mentioned the names of any of my characters online because I'm like, if you want to find out, read them. But his, the villain's name in Diamond Dragons 1 is Nitrozite, you know? And you're like, Nitrozite? What the hell is that? And you're like, yeah, imagine an Skeletor mixed with Darth Vader mixed with Ooh. an evil ghost bone dragon. Ah. You know, you're like, enough said. Right? It's like his, you know, his voice. He's not going to be like, hey, you, yeah, man, I'm going to punch you in the face. <laughs> it's not his voice, right? You would imagine his voice would be a lot more like this. I will find those, you know, this and I will destroy them. You know, it's probably more like that. You know, a raspy, like Megatron. You know, remember Frank oh, yeah. Wilbur? Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. God. He was one of my oh, idols for vocal work. Frank Welker. Oh, that's fair. Dude, people don't even know this. I'm going to do that shout out right now. Not if Frank's why he would be listening to this, but dude, Frank Wilker did Megatron of the 80s and Bubble Puppy from Bubble Guppers. <laughs> I, forgot I mean, that. come on. He was also the, the Tiny Tunes, dudes. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, son, yeah. he had this. I mean, that, that's range right there. That's I was about range. to literally use that word. I'm like, if you want <laughs> to talk range. about the emotional, you know, he's like doing the whole like, star scream you have failed me for the last time you know and then he does hey guys how are you doing it's nice to see you i love you oh, you're so nice and you're like this is awesome you know so anyway i'm kind of going off a tangent but when i design my characters i want to make sure all their vocal ranges and their personalities and their tempos all differ this is important yeah is yeah. super important. So this way they jump off the page or they, I hope they should, if I did my job right, which I think I did. Um, but uh, when they do that, they, they start to catch hold with you. And, you know, you might start attributing your own thoughts like, ooh, I imagine this, you know, Artemis, he's a gold blind old wizard like dragon, you know? So you, you can imagine, what do you think he would sound like? Would he be like, hey guys, how's it going? I'm a wizard. You know, you'd be like, no. He would probably sound a lot more like Gandalf from Lord of the Rings, like Sir Ian McKellen, you know, flame of Aldor, you know, that kind of thing or whatever. You shall not pass, you know, this kind of command, you know, even with uh, what was it? Christopher Lee as. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, Sauron. I mean, yes, just it's because of his voice that he is commanding yeah. everything. You know, it's why we have people like Patrick Stewart, you know, make it so number one, you know, it's like you, you want these, these things to embody your characters. It doesn't mean that everybody has to sound exactly like a particular actor, but it's like, right. When you think of a wizard like character, you think Obi-Wan Kenobi, you think, uh, 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 Gandalf, you think, uh, Dumbledore, you think yeah. of, uh, give me another wizard from one of these, uh, things. <laughs> Oh, I was thinking of um. Oh, why am I gonna blank now? Played Merlin. Hmm. Oh, well, no, the character Merlin. Merlin, right? It doesn't have yeah. to be the actor. It, it, that's the point. Oh, he did an amazing job too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You don't want to get confused, but right. The 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 point. In fact, even with uh, Dumbledore, what was it? Uh, unfortunately, um. Uh, oh my goodness, I'm blanking on his name. The guy who uh, played I know, I Dumbledore originally. <laughs> because he was. He, it's funny you mentioned he was Camelot. He was he was Sir Arthur. Yep. And, um, yep richard harris richard harris richard passed harris, away yep. and then yep. poor um to have to fill that role after holy moly 
did a well, great job. Well, it's funny you mention. I think he did a fantastic job. He did. Fact, he did. I, but I, 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 say, I would have been like, I would have been a little like hesitant. I, and I, I did hear some people were because how do you fill those shoes? He did. He said, he, it's funny. He, he, she shared this in his own words. So I'm not making this up. He said, you know, I didn't want to do it. I thought it would be too much. And I didn't know anything about this fantasy thing and, 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 you know, Harry Potter. And I just, I didn't want to touch that. And he says, my, my kids or his grandkids, his nephews, something young people in his life. Um, they were like grandpa or, you know, you got to do this. And he was like, okay, then I looked into it. And I think it's like, yeah, at that point you have a very heavy weight. Like imagine, I, mean, yeah. I know I'm kind of going all over the place, but, um, when brand Brandon, Brandon Ruth had to take over the Superman role. Uh, for Christopher Reeve, yep. <laughs> this was a difficult thing. It's because everybody saw this yeah. horrible thing that Christopher Reeves had to go through. Yeah. And um, it was just like, man, like, how do you do that without dishonoring that memory? And they were yeah. like, we could pull it off. Anyway, though, the point is, yeah, character voices and like their costumes, even though these are dragons and, you know, arguably someone says, do they wear anything? I'm like, there's some hints that they do, but I'm like, I'm not going to sit there and say he put on his, you know, overcoat. And <laughs> it's like, you don't need that right now. You know, uh, I think Elder Dragon, he, he wears a cloak. I mean, I make sure I tell you that that Elder Legimoto, and that's another one, good names, talk about good names. My, my uh, the patriarch, the old patriarch of the dragons, Elder Dragon is Legimoto. And that has some relevance too. It's it's a it's an homage to none other than none other than Leiji Matsumoto. So not I th I think poor Leiji is he's getting old. Like he's right there, you know, on the end. He's ninety something. But man, Leiji Matsumoto was for people who don't know, you know, uh, the grandfather of uh, of like anime. Um, he created things like um, Star Blazers, aka Yamato in Japan, mm. um, uh, Captain Harlock. Um, I think he had a hand in Robotech. I am not 100% oh, sure of that. I could okay. be wrong, which eventually blossomed into Gundam, as some people will know. But I mean, basically, uh, I wanted a shout out to like a, you know, a Japanese legend. And I was like, yeah, oh, yeah. I know what to do with this. Like, he's got to be Legimoto, you know, and people will be like, wait, does, I don't know anything about him. Like, you don't have to. I know about it. I was... Yeah moved by star blazer slash yamato which was a children's cartoon in the 80s well really the 70s and 80s but the point is um it was a very dramatic story about having to save earth you know from these uh giant meteors coming to hit the planet you know yeah, and yeah. all the countries had to be like you know what we got to knock all that crap off fighting each other and think about what's coming in from the atmosphere they, they were just getting bombed yeah. You know, and they yeah, were like, yeah, yeah. "What is going on?" So they had they had to assemble a, a a world force, go in a spaceship, and go and figure out like who's who's trying to kill us. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but funny, anyway, I just I actually just mentioned that I I forgot what show it was, but I just mentioned I mentioned that the other day. Like, what's um, that? I, well, when I was talking about that, I, it's funny that you mentioned that. So I was like, "What?" Mentioned what though? The... Uh, Star Blazer. I was like, "What?" What? Oh, I was like, "What?" was i watching as a kid where you know all of earth came together but i was referencing that and i we're all class, you know, outer space yeah he's like this can't happen i'm like mother <laughs> to save the human race it was really cool like the music yeah, yeah, yeah. Was it was a great concept it was interesting too because it was also another example where i i'm very certain that george lucas was probably influenced by it almost certainly because um even Star Blazers had um, uh, 
a more what do you call it not spacey music he he had actually orchestrated music yeah 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 now i'm not saying necessarily one came before the other like you know there's some things but i'm just saying is george lucas probably at one point knew about leiji and probably yeah, knew yeah, about star blazers and probably well aka yamato in japan but the point is you know and the yamato was a real ship um the the united states sunk it like i mean i don't remember but it was like basically after it launched this was the one of the biggest most powerful ships they made and it was sunk almost you know immediately people can look it up i don't know all the i'm giving the kind of cliff's notes version but like you know it's it's a real thing you know so it's it's it was an interesting story and they kind of lifted the ship into space and sort of as an homage to it i guess is from their culture's per, point of view you know it was like yeah. honoring all the people who died you know so oh, well yeah yeah powerful story yeah that's yeah. what but that's what we're all about right daniel is powerful yeah. storytelling is what we're trying to do i i for one not to just bring it back to my own work here but i guess we are talking about it is that um oh, yeah for sure yeah. my goal my overall objective is to move people and to make them think about their life and like what are they doing in it <clears throat> um at the same time too for them to reflect about what they have done already what they want to do in the future and then also it kind of has an overarching message which i i don't want to give away a lot but um that uh, although the dragons are on their own planet in a completely arguably different universe you know mm -hmm. I, I don't know if i've said that it is yes or no to that but the point is when they read it they'll you know obviously realize oh does this take place on saturn i'll be like no <laughs> you know it doesn't <laughs> you know it's it's in its own you know arguably place you know mm -hmm. but that they might think at one point they'd be like wow you know these dragons like that one reminds me of my uncle you know and i'm not gonna lie like some of the dragons don't make it you know they they, they don't there um there are a lot of boromirs in diamond dragons one mm. i'll put it that way you know mm. and so that also brings me to another thing that some people often ask well maybe not often i won't say that but like people have said you know oh is this a children's book i'll be like when when you look at it i mean yes and no you know it's like it's it's lord of the rings like it's yeah. lord of the rings is serious there's some problems there's going some heavy on. stuff in there yeah, yeah that's what i'm trying to say is like right we have theoden yeah. that's a lot as it is that's a yeah. lot as it is all i said was one character name that's it theoden i mean wow <laughs> man but then just boromir forget just his sacrifice but like holy crap the thing that boromir and this is by the way important that people also have some relevance to the books because it's even more crazy in the books but like i want to say that he was probably the strongest of all of them and some people are like why in the hell do you say that he betrayed frodo for the he was the one who was trying to take it and i'm like yeah but think of just how much he was having to fight off and then he broke out of it instead of it saying I've got you. I'm going to get you, Frodo. And then he just stayed there the whole time. He should have just, he yeah. would have continued to murder him. At one, I mean, like, there's no way yeah, Frodo yeah. Would have escaped him. So then, yeah. how is it that he broke out of that? And he's like, Aragorn, I tried to take it from him. And the, the kind of fear and the despair that he was like admitting this upon his deathbed. I mean, wouldn't you have just wanted to be like, hey, it was an honor fighting with y'all. And yeah, yeah, I really yeah. worked hard, as you know, and I never betrayed none of y'all because I took an arrow for y'all. Instead, he was literally trying to say, like, I tried. It made me take it from him.
Like, I hope you understand that because like, that's important, you know? And then he's dying and you're like, Ooh, you know, so is this a children's book? Probably not. But I do usually tell people if I had to, I'll say, you know, 12 plus is probably fine. Yeah. Now that said, it brings me to another point. Um, so my daughter's artwork is in the back of every book. Oh, cool. <laughs> yeah, her name's Kate, Caitlin, shout out to my daughter. Um, uh, and so anyway, Caitlin, um, you know, she'll do these drawings and she's daddy, will you read me more of diamond dragons? I'm like, sure. But you know, I had to be very careful with her with book one, because we finally got through that. And I'm not going to go into all the details of how I had to go very carefully with that. Um, but now that we're doing diamond dragons too, she's a little bit more understanding that these are mm. characters in books. And so when characters die, it is sad, you know, and real tears are being shed. I'm, I was crying along with her, you know, it's, it's a moving story, especially in certain places where like characters that, you know, arguably you'd be like, oh, what, why that one, you know, or something like that. Like, I liked yeah, that yeah. cool one character guy person yeah, thing. Steven Erickson. Well, <laughs> right? Like, and then, right, people will always say, George R. R. Martin kills all of his characters. Yeah. I'm like, welcome to the storytelling. I'm not yeah, saying yeah. that that is the end all be all that you should be killing absolutely everyone. But the point is, it's like, if it makes a difference, if it means something, if the character achieved all of its objectives within the storytelling process, and if they don't do something, then the, maybe the leads or, or something's going to die, they have to intervene. They have to stop, you know, this thing. Yeah. Uh, you know, or they don't. I don't know. You know, it, it depends. But it's like sometimes not everything goes perfectly, you know? I mean, yeah, yeah. It'd be heck, boring if it did. It wouldn't be a story. Yeah. I mean, heck, I was even trying to relate this to my daughter while I read her my stories because I, I would also read her uh, the first four books of uh, jk rowling's uh, harry potter books mm. and then she wanted to stop and i said that's fine um she didn't like it <laughs> as much as i expected <laughs> i well i switched i said we should watch the movies because i think you might appreciate them more i certainly Yay. did no offense to jk but i'm just saying like i liked the films a little bit more Anyway, and I love book three and film three. I should say that just to make uh, sure that yeah, there's no people yeah. out there that'll hate me forever. Oh, I loved it. Book three and, and film three, they were fantastic. It was one about the time turner, you know? Yeah, I agree. Yeah, that was excellent. It's too bad that thing went away and never got used or mentioned yeah. ever again. <laughs> I mean, like, that's, uh, the, that's the problem with doing you, you time. You pulled a Gandalf. That's what I call it. You pulled a Gandalf. <laughs> <laughs> kind of. Kind of. Yeah. You can do yeah. all these things. We can teleport even particularly in the hobbit movies but we can't do it we to can't get into mordor i'm not arguing <laughs> with you so i'm not going to start bringing up jr but um yeah like i love we have I all love the all... message worth mad at us after today so. yeah well besides that too like here's the thing is gross implausibilities do have to exist in a lot of things i feel like i've um it's it's funny we're coming to this because i rarely get at not get asked this because i'm almost self-asking me but like do you ever do this, Daniel? This I feel this is a good talking point, whether it has to do with my stories or yours or whatever. Do you ever purposely kind of sit back and then identify some of your implausible situations that are passable given the fact that you have to do storytelling? Do you ever do you know what I'm trying to tell you? Or you're like oh, all the time. Yeah. I had to figure out a problem really. I'm actually it's right before you got on. I was like, uh -huh. is this thing that I have to do in order to make the story work gonna make sense and, mm. I, and I literally thought that's why I stopped writing I was like I just sat here for a couple minutes I was like is this going to have the effect that I want it to I'm ah. like, gonna have this other effect and I'm like I so I really I'm not sure yet so I was like well I'm just gonna keep it as this for now and then 
they they'll have to come out with beta readers, I guess, and you know, an and an editor, you know, once somebody else reads the work. But yeah, I'll I feel like that's like the fourth time that's happened to me this week with Nano. I'm like that can be a good thing because here's a good way of understanding it. And I mean, I'm not trying to be weird about it. I'm trying to say this is that I feel that I have a good amount of experience with this in the sense that after doing all this 30 years of working with these Star Wars performances, some of them, you know, again, I wrote my own. I didn't just do performances that were from uh, uh, the films or whatnot, but I would kind of do both. But here's the point is it's like you read enough stories, you see enough films, and then you realize that all films have issues all stories yeah, yeah. books have Back issues to the future three. <laughs> oh, well right yeah like i mean the my delorean God, is right there all you had to do was walk to the original delorean take the gas they're back they're good and we're all set sorry and I that's the, the thing movie for everybody. but right daniel it's like i don't want to say where's the fun in that but it's like there are certain times where they they have to say we have filled in as many holes as we can but in order for storytelling to happen we can't this has to just be glazed over ignored because again like again when you do time travel you'd be like it's time travel like we have no idea if a it's even possible or b would it be the way that we think it would be like oh you'd see your yeah. own self i'm like maybe you wouldn't like we don't yeah. so it's like you have to invent your own rules then stick to them the best you can but then there's going to yeah. be some point where you come in there like uh-oh there's this whole paradox thing where once yeah. we go back, we've already broken absolutely everything yeah. in the sense that if you say, okay, from here on out, can we tie up every loose end? I'm like, no, you cannot. Once you go back in time, you've completely made this. Um, it's also called a recursive loop in programming. Um, mm. So it, there's no way anybody, anytime you do time travel, it's broken as soon as you do it. That doesn't mean, and this is important, that doesn't mean that there shouldn't be time travel and storytelling because it's so friggin' awesome. Oh, yeah. You know, like it's Fun. so good. So like, why would people get them themselves hung up on, you know, certain things? Now I get it. If some person, it, let's pretend like a situation, there's a dude, he's on top of a building. It's like 14 stories down and then he just jumps off and then he's fine at the end. If we haven't established that they can do these superhuman things and they're fine, people are going to go, what what the hell he fell 60 feet and he's <laughs> fine did he he wasn't even wearing armor wait a minute even if you're wearing armor, excuse me you know you call bs but when yeah. you make some things make it plausible you go oh that's fair like in the matrix you're like yo these guys can take a lot of punishment because it's not reality yeah so there's the take the gross implausibility and just chuck it out the window thing. But right, Daniel, you're going to run into situations when you're like, well, I mean, someone could argue that this character could just come and save them at that point, couldn't they? But they're super far away and they've got this and like, no, this is fine. You know what I mean? Like, you have yeah. to do that. But there are some times when you're like, why doesn't this character just fly over and do this? Like in my case, the dragons, they can fly for God's sake, you know? <laughs> I had to be very careful about what could happen and what couldn't happen in it. But at the same time, there's somewhere, you know, people will be like, well, how come over here one dragon, this, that, and the other, but then they, they get hit and they it, it knocks them out. And I'm like, well, I mean, you know, they're not invincible. <laughs> they can't yeah, be, yeah, that would yeah. be so stupid. Like yeah. our fight zone would be on there forever. You know, you're like, yeah. <laughs> you know, I even make it where like when they're flying, I feel like it's realistic. If you get knocked down conscious while you're flying, this is, um, this is a bad thing for a dragon. Yeah. 
And, you know, some people say, but dragons are invincible. I'm like, what if you got knocked unconscious while you're in a hang glider? How do you think you're going to land? Pretty good or pr pretty well? Pretty uh, rock? What do you think about that? <laughs> you know, and they'd be like, yeah. oh, I'm like, yeah. So it'd kind of be like if a plane went down. What do you think is going to happen? You know, so it's dangerous in these these worlds. Now, someone might say, but I don't see that in my fantasy. I'm like, that's fine. I'm doing something different. I mean, these dragons, I make it clear in the books that at one point early on in the book, in the first book, that it's kind of made fairly clear that a dragon who's long dead fell, crashed, and that's how this dragon died. Um, they were battling, but they didn't die from their wounds. Like it wasn't like I shot Daniel in the head in the air and then you had a you know your brain spilling out and fell on the ground because someone would say, uh, Daniel died actually like I want to say a thousand feet in the air and then hit the ground. <laughs> this is the opposite. This dragon was conscious, then wasn't, then fell and was alive right up until the moment of you know impact. So. Yeah. It's like, ooh, so what do you want to bet that that becomes important in the storytelling? Now, I don't know if I've really seen that in other dragon stories, but I'm sure there have been, right? There's got to be some story where they're like a dragon yeah, fell yeah. and then it died because of the fall, you know? Yeah, yeah, But, you know, most of the time in movies, think about it. They just go, and then later yeah, they wake up and they're fine. And you're like, talk about invincible. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Like, Good Lord. That'd be like if a plane crashed and it was just fine. No problems. Well, it's like, again, Lord of the Rings with smog. I'm like, and especially in the Hobbits, I'm like, oh, okay, so you can just have molten lava basically splayed on you and <laughs> you can withstand that. And then, but then that little arrow goes through <laughs> that mark. Uh, you know, so I now, this is saying somebody who I absolutely love. That was my favorite movie for a really long time. It was still awesome. Uh, yeah. it was still well, awesome, I didn't like the Hobbit, yeah. the movie, but I like the story. Yeah, I was actually yeah. not to not to be weird about it too, but this is literally the truth, and I don't know how else to. I have a few images from it. I got to play or portray Bilbo Baggins in a stage oh, cool. production of The Hobbit in the year two thousand. So I want to say oh, it was cool. right after the Fellowship was launched. And uh, it was fantastic. We had such a good time. We sold out like a whole bunch of the shows. It was magnificent. And I also realized simultaneously why the show wasn't done that often. Because I remember when I saw it, I noticed that, like, what is this? Like, I've never heard of this before. And people are like, there's a reason for that. <laughs> and I was like, what? <laughs> and, the, and I'm like, does it have to do with the whole Tolkien estate thing? They're like, well, kind of. I mean, it's expensive, obviously. But it's like, it's more like, it's a hard show. And I was like, you know, I had to sit there for a minute and I went, you know what come to think of it uh oh you know <laughs> like because i told the director i said look i'm gonna come audition and you know i'll do almost anything um but i want to be gandalf haha because i'm, I'm kind of short you know um because i did a, the voice for and she was like this is fantastic Matthew. i'm like you there's no way you could cast me as him i'm i'm too short you know she said well we'll see and I'm like, i just wanted to tell you that because i you know love tolkien so much and you know i'm i'm just proud to be auditioning, but I'm like, I'll, you know, do whatever. And then, you know, they cast me as Bilbo and I was like, good choice, you know? Because <laughs> um, I mean, it, it was, it was, it was a smart decision. I would make a good Bilbo and I did. And so it was a lot of fun. Um, we cool. did some children's performances too, where it was like, oh, you know, awesome. only schools came in. It was fantastic. And oh my God, that was the fun part because there were some funsies in the thing so that it was sort of leverage just enough to be good enough for adults but that you know children could come see it yeah, because yeah. They, didn't, they didn't want to have it where it was 
you know, completely crazy. But I remember you'll you'll laugh at this. The cast was so unfamiliar with like what the ring was going to do because they had only seen the first film and they were not interested in, you know, reading the books. Cause it was at a college, you know, that um mm. when I started doing some dramatic stuff, when I would I would lash out at them with certain lines. Like instead of just being like, you know, it means this, that, and the other, don't you understand? Like some of them would be like, it means this. Don't you understand? You know, that kind of stuff. And they were like, Oh God, Matthew, chill out. I'm like, no, no, I'm 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 performing as Bilbo. Like, what what are you doing? You know, and they're like, you don't know, they're like, you were just I'm like, yeah, like, and they're like, why are you doing it that way? And I'm like, you, have you seen Lord of the, you haven't seen no. you don't and I mean like have you read because at that point the other films were not out yet so I was yeah, like have yeah. you wait a minute you're you actually don't know what's gonna okay so I was like I'm just trying to have fun with that foreshadowing bit yeah and yeah. Uh, the director I want to name I want to say her name was Ginger uh, Ginger liked it you know because she's like oh that's that's good she's like it because it won't take away from what we're doing but it will make you look a little not bipolar, but she was like, it'll, it'll make you look like you're, at, you know, angry, a little too angry, you know? And I'm like, yeah, yeah. that's probably a good thing, <laughs> you know, yeah, like yeah. just these were, by the way, just little hints because then of course it, at the end of the Hobbit, it's not like it's a destroyed Bilbo yet, you know? Yeah. Certainly yeah, not. Yeah. I mean, whatever, or it could be argued that, yeah, at that point, something is anyway, the point is right we didn't want to go overboard and certainly not for the children you know like imagine if we had oh, some yeah, scene yeah. in there where bilbo <laughs> goes crazy and starts choking well, the children hasn't all. been back to the theater since bilbo baggins <laughs> <laughs> right it's like what mommy yeah. bilbo just choked out a golem you know yeah, yeah. <laughs> and golem just bit off his finger <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly what are you watching it's funny um brandon sanderson mentioned that where he's like um he he took his mom to go see the like fellowship and then oh, okay. went to see the two towers and then went and um went to the return of the king and she was like oh i just love this smeagol character and he was like <laughs> oh god <laughs> <laughs> of course right yeah then they had, she was like really upset she was like i guess was, master, yeah, they there for a little while. <laughs> master loves us master's a friend you don't have any friends. I don't. No, the Turks at depressors. And you're like, dude, Andy Circus, you're like knocking out of the park. And yeah, I, really, yeah. I really liked it. I thought it was great. I mean, yeah, I, he almost made a definitive performance that no one had ever heard before. I'd only heard the ones from the cartoon thing, and it was not that good. Yeah. Not and yeah, not nearly the same thing. Yeah. It was creepy, but it just didn't yeah. work. It just didn't yeah. work. And the irony talk is about an underrated performance. <laughs> Everybody always talks about Heath Ledger the Joker, which I get, but like mm -hmm. very underrated performance. Fair. I would say that's well, more underrated than yeah. well, here's the thing, Daniel. Look, and I think uh Andy knew this as well as anyone else. If you're doing a voiceover and you're not the body, yeah, it's, yeah. it's difficult. It's 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 like Frank Welker, like I was mentioning earlier. Frank Welker is Megatron, and nobody's gonna care. Like they're not gonna realize that several of the characters were voiced by the same actor. So like yeah, Optimus yeah, Prime, yeah. you know, like my name is Optimus Prime, and I mean we know that a, a freaking oh my god, why don't I know his name? Now I feel ashamed. God dang it. Okay, I'll have to look that up again. Now my brain is really going. Optimus <laughs> Prime was portrayed by 
Ugh, I can't. I'd have to look it up. But anyway, he did like Red other Autobots in there as yeah, well. Yeah, 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 I want to yeah. say I think he did at least one of the villains too, but you wouldn't have known it. And then like Frank Welker was also Soundwave, the whole um, yeah, yeah. the weird uh, robotic voice thing. So they of course processed his voice for that too. And then they had wonderful Chris Latta as Starscream. You know, with that God, he sounded like a uh, what do you call it a an almost a, a pro metal star. You yeah, know? yeah, like yeah, ACDC. Yeah. was starscream's oh, yeah, yeah, voice yeah. right yeah yeah yeah. it was that kind of scratchy like you know so these things need to be appreciated sometimes you know yeah, but um for sure. I, yeah when you do that kind of work you're not considered an actor right until you get on screen and then at least for andy circus's sake he's been able to do the marvel movie as i forgot what the villain's name was oh yeah I forget. Oh my god! Yeah, I didn't even realize that was him uh, the other day, and then I uh, yeah, most people I don't know what it looks like. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Yep, yep. They don't know what his real voice sounds like, which yeah. is you know not like hey, I'm not this. <laughs> you know, it's like he's like, hey, how's it going? You know. <laughs> yeah. No. No. Yeah. Totally Frank true. Welker didn't sound like Megatron either. I mean, well, he yeah, did because yeah, yeah. he did it, but it's the same with me doing all my character voices. You know, yeah, I actually no, not to not to riff off of that, but I have a weird character in mind. His name is Gargigle. Mm. <laughs> Gargigle. And he is like a, you can think of him like he's the uh, the bartender dragon, if you will. Mm. He's kind of a not tweaker, we'll call him. But, you know, he's um, he's quirky and, and weird and and uh, just goofy and strange, almost like. He's he doesn't seem as intelligent as the other dragons because of the way he talks and he's very, he seems very simple, you know, mm. and he has this kind of gesture that I always I always imagine that he's got his shoulders shrugged and he's like, let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go do it, we do it, have fun, you know, and he's like, like call the uncle, your uncle's always hunched over trying to tell a story. Maybe, <laughs> maybe. Yeah, At least in my family, on... that's what all my uncles do. They're always like, yeah, like this is how we do it. Yeah, well, that's well, this is my point is even though he's not necessarily an uncle, but I know what you're saying is that's the point is that everybody will hopefully attribute one character to be like, I know a guy just like that, or that's yeah, very yeah. much like, yeah, like Gargigal is, he's the mix master. And literally that does become important. He's not just a side mm -hmm. character to throw away and be silly. He's the guy, you know, uh, trying different brews, if you will. He's mixing potions. He's trying to discover new things. Um, and so uh, that's kind of what he is. And he's kind of like the cook too. There's sort of two cooks there's the matriarch of the family and she's great too she's like she's like an old you know super strict grandma where she's like now daniel <laughs> now you listen to me boy daniel you better get your act together before i boy i don't know who you think you are but no lady is going to want to be with you daniel uh kuba no you want to know why because you're not doing enough work you gotta mean it okay now you know i love you but man daniel you're going to get your act together you know, it's like that's one of <laughs> that would be like uh, this uh, uh, mat matriarchal kind of a dragon in the family, you know, so she's like, I'm about to whoop your tail, you know what I mean, that kind of thing. <laughs> and she's means business, but she's a tough dragon. She used to be a warrior, you know, but she's mm. old now. I mean, right, you ain't gonna be no warrior when you're 80 years old. And it's made clear. to Mr. Miyagi. Exactly. I, I mean, <laughs> it's, it's sort of like, um, it's it's something that like I, I tell people that in the stories that their age is a larger number than any of us would be used to. So mm -hmm. in, yeah. in my stories, they age to be the number 2000. And then mm -hmm. their years, they have a different name for it. 
But the point being is when you attribute it, you're kind of like going, wow, that's right. Like, what would it be to live to be, even though these aren't um, analogous, 2000 years old. Imagine if you could be not live to arguably 100 or, you know, whatever, 70 to 100 is a human life, let's say, right? Universe willing, like you might die at 20. Yeah. You know what I'm trying to say. But imagine yeah, yeah. if you lived 12 times as much or, you know, arguably 10 to 12 times as long. That would be very interesting, yeah, right? Yeah. Yeah. So these things are covered in Diamond Dragons and, and throughout the whole stories, you know? Um, it's kind of funny too. There's a, a quick running joke in Diamond Dragons 1 that uh, this matriarchal dragon, her name's Gertie, uh, Gertranimore. But anyways, Gertie, uh, she's going to be cel celebrating her 2000th birthday. Wow. <laughs> and so that's pretty big, you know, to the dragons. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. That's pretty much their lifespan, pretty much. Yeah, so she's crazy. she's done kind of well, like, but she's not gonna be like, dun da da, <laughs> you know, like no, they know we're gonna be fighting for her for the most part, right? Like, yeah. maybe you'll maybe you'll see. But the point being is, you can imagine that she's not like, what's the right word? It's not like you're gonna take your grandma on do let's go to skydiving trip in Mexico. You know, you're like, wait, what? <laughs> you're going to bring your 80-year-old grandma? I mean, if she was super tough. But I mean, come yeah. on. Like skydiving? I don't know, man. You know? Yeah, yeah. I don't know if mine would go. <laughs> uh, well, Matthew, I think we're just about out of time. But um, I just wanted to make sure we left people with any of your current projects, news, updates, anything like that. Um, I know that's been a really popular one for, you know, people lately. So anything you got that you're currently working on, hit us with it before we head out. That way people sure. can go to the description and, you know, and check it out. So I will. I appreciate it. And again, uh, thanks so much for doing it. It's been a pleasure and it's, it's always good to talk to other competent oh, sure. and, and professional and, and, uh, uh, driven writers who want to discuss writing and, and be, you know, engaged and professional about all that. But anyway, yeah. in terms of projects, yeah, basically I'm like, um, this is a hexology, so I'm currently in the midst of working on Diamond Dragons 3. I want to say I'm about uh, 16,000 words into it, at least at the oh, time cool. of this recording. Uh, but it's more than that. That That's in the manuscript. But as for notes, I have dozens of notes for 3 and dozens for 4 and 5 and 6. Oh, wow. And this isn't because I'm just randomly doing anything. It's like this has been slowly, carefully planned out over all these years. So although, you know, someone might say, oh, well, so you're working on Diamond Dragons 3. I'm like, kind of, and 4, 5, and 6. And I will at least just say this and leave you with this fun, you know, tidbit. I'm also working on a project with Diamond Dragons that I'm not at liberty to say anything about publicly oh, cool. at this moment. <laughs> so that's what everybody wants for this question. They want the, <laughs> they want the, the thing that they got to come back for. Like, that's, that's. Well, yeah, the most and, fun, I think. <laughs> and here's the thing is, I can't promise that there will be an announcement for this particular mysterious thing that I'm mentioning. I'm not trying to do this as bait either. It's just something I'm, I can't say, I can't say anything about it. Um, and that, that's a good, it's actually a good thing. It's good that we're not doing that. But it might be uh, anywhere from 2024 to 2026. It might be earlier, but I don't think so. It's, it's a, it's such a kind of a long term project that that projecting it is not at this moment it, um it's it's not one of those things that you can just say aha it will guaranteed on this day i can do that yeah. with the books my books come out every solstice you can almost you can 
you know, set your, as they say, set your watch by it, set your <laughs> iPhone by it, um, if you will. And again, the solstices are on purpose. The summer solstice are my digital books. And then the uh, winter ones are uh, the physical ones. And so that leaves oh, me cool. with Diamond Dragons 2, the, the cover you see behind you here or whatever in front of your screen. What am I saying behind you? It's behind me, <laughs> dummy. <laughs> but, um, you pointed that... the right way. You pointed the right way, though. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, right? Um, but yeah, Diamond Dragons 2, the print version, the physical versions, uh, both in hardcover, full color, and then paperback, which is, of course, in grayscale, if you 